I think it's time for a change in our point of view instead of saying, oh, well, if you don't like your work, your work must be bad. The organization must be evil. Maybe it's my perspective. Maybe there's something I can do to help things, to change things, and to make my work work better for me. host and Emily Ken. And before we start with today's show, please remember to visit mindset.zone. Yes, instead of .com, it's .zone. There you can find all the episodes and other amazing resources, all at mindset.zone. Today, Our special guest is Darcy Eichenberg. Darcy has over 20 years experience working with top companies such as Coca-Cola, Microsoft, Deloitte, just to name a few. She's also a keynote speaker and the author of two books, Bring Your Superpowers to Work and Red Cape Rescue. Save your career without leaving your job. So welcome to the Mindset Zone, Darcy. Oh, thank you, Anna. I am so happy to be here in the Mindset Zone with you. Yes. And I cannot think about a better guest to speak uh, about this topic that in the um, organization and the companies, everybody nowadays is speaking about the great resignation and all the problems attracting talent and getting the right talent. And I really love that uh, your work with uh, the Red Cape Rescue, Save Your Career Without Leaving Your Job, is a, a lot about this area of expertise, because usually people have that uh, piece of advice, oh, you are not happy with what you are doing, Get go and find another job. And one of your things is that maybe that is not the best advice ever. So tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah, you know, it's funny when we think about our mindset about work. So often that mindset leads us to saying, well, you know, if the work's not working for you, go do something else. And I'm sure we have all been in those situations where we're watching somebody that we love, somebody that we care about, and something's just not quite right. And they're a smart person and they end up going in circles. And those of us who are watching them from the outside are like, why can't they just figure out how to make themselves happy? But so much of it, and what I really go into deep in the book, Red Cape Rescue, and what I work on in my coaching and my work with organizations is recognizing you actually control so much more than you gave yourself credit for. I believe that we all control everything that we think. That's really our mindset. Everything we say or choose not to say and everything that we do or stop doing or don't do. And when we think about our life at work in terms of those three levers, and we recognize that's all we can pull and push, that's all we can do, there is a freedom that 
I think comes across very often of like, wait, what can I control in this situation? As opposed to trying to change things that you can't change and the frustration that goes along with that. So I think it's time for a change in our point of view instead of saying, oh, well, if you don't like your work, your work must be bad. The organization must be evil. Maybe it's my perspective. Maybe there's something I can do to help things, to change things, and to make my work work better for me. I want to like press the slow button uh, here a moment because there is so much richness here that I really want to squeeze all little juice that we have here. Because let's, for one moment, when we are not happy in a situation, okay, there is like, uh, that is a signal that, okay, something maybe can be better. And uh, sometimes the knee-jerk reaction is, oh, let's change everything. Let's quit and find a new job. And now that we are living a situation where there is more demand for jobs, there is people there, hey, look at us, we are a good place to work here, come and uh, work with us. And so there are a lot of offer for the employee. It's tempting, okay, if I'm not happy uh, and I can choose, let me try something else. Mm -hmm. The dangers is that they go and try something else. And it's always even a positive change. There is always stress and a lot of new learning period associated with that. And what often happens is that they go try the something new, the something else, and a couple of months go by and they are back where they were before with the same level of frustration, the same level of... Uh, uh, negative energy and asking, oh, I didn't pick the right one. Let me see what else is out there. And th th if they keep jumping from one thing to the next without going to that leverage that you were speaking, it's not good for them or for the organization. Yeah, I, I think it's really important for us to be self-aware enough to recognize that it's easy and our society in many ways pushes us to look that the answers are out there. But the truth is the answers are always in here and you can't see me, but I'm, I'm tapping to my heart, my chest. You know, it is, it is how we feel what we want. Uh, but it seems like it's always easier when things get hard, when you hit a speed bump, when something feels uncomfortable, our, our brain's natural reaction is to move away from that emotion as fast as possible. But what the exact situation you're describing um, is what I'm, I'm seeing put into life in a lot of places. People that left when things got hard or a decision made they didn't agree with or just something that set off their hot button and they just decided, well, I'll just leave. The same issues are now happening in the new place that they are. So uh, I actually had a friend tell me this has happened to her in relationships over <laughs> and over. Now, I'm no relationship expert, so I can't attest to that. But I have heard people say that, you, you know, you think the next new whatever it is is going to be the solution. But in, but in truth, it's not. And you keep repeating the same habits, the same mindsets, the same things that got in your way. I think 
is it the Dr. Seuss book? This is wherever you go, there you are. Yeah. Uh, I think it works that way for us in our life at work. And even though there are often very good reasons, and I never want someone to hear the work that I do to save your career without leaving your job and say that that means they have to stay and suffer or sacrifice or be in a situation that's unethical. Uh, that is absolutely not what we're saying here. But I think there is that piece where people, if they stop and listen to the 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 little whispers of, yeah. is this really the situation? Is this really the work? Is this something that I have to learn about me? And is this actually an opportunity? If I'm willing to leave, is it actually an opportunity where I could try something new as an experiment and maybe build a new muscle that I'm going to need for the rest of my life. And and that is a very important differentiation because if the culture is toxic, if there is anything going on that is unethical, that we really cannot, uh, that goes against the, what is our core values, in, in a situation like that, it's good that we have the power to quit and go somewhere else without any doubt. But I think what we are speaking here is that the restless kind of almost um, situation, oh, I'm not happy here now. I'm going to try something else. I'm not happy here now. I'm going, and I'm, and maybe I'm using a little bit uh, not the right wording here because I think people, uh, is an insatisfaction. They know that things uh, uh, should be in a different way. But like you said, they look for the solution outside of themselves instead of also looking inside. And, and we forget sometimes that all of our work is all made up. You, you know, our work doesn't ever stay stagnant. Uh, even if you have tasks that you are checking off the box every single day, the, it changes from person to person, from situation to situation. And when we get in a fixed mindset and we think, oh, well, I just have this new boss and she just doesn't get me. And so I have to leave. Well, maybe there's a better conversation that you need to be having about what it is you need, about what she might be doing that's in conflict with what you're thinking it is. So often we we leave these things on the table instead of, again, what can I control? I can control that I might say something if someone's behavior is making my work harder or that I'm interpreting it in a certain way. I see this a lot with email. When I'm working with teams and they are just in the swirl of frustration and they're not very productive, even to go back and look at how they respond to email and how many stories we make up about what an email means. And it <laughs> can be such a waste of time instead of really being able to be direct or ask the question, because you know, we, all, we all know that sometimes we'll send emails that I know in my head what it means, but I haven't translated that to you and my written words may not say exactly what I mean. And so we all have to have a little bit of empathy for each other in the workplace, but that doesn't mean just sucking it up and saying, oh, well, I'll just deal with the fact that, you know, these people don't know a whole lot. 
you have the power to speak up, to do something differently, to ask for different behavior. And I think when you are in those situations, when you actually stand up for yourself and speak up and ask for what you need, there's actually a whole chapter in my book about asking for what you need, that you feel like you are back in control. It may not work, but if it doesn't work, then great. That's really good data that says, huh, okay, so what I really want here is probably not going to be possible. Then that feels more solid and you can put more energy into looking elsewhere, which is not easy. Yeah. So so let's, let's uh, because you speak about these three dimensions, think, say, do, that are like the three leverage kind of the things that we can uh, control. And you gave an example, but can you just uh, go slower with an example and uh, the construct, okay, this is how we can leverage and we can play with the thinking element, then with the say element and with the do element? The thinking element is probably the piece that I've had the most people argue with me. They say, well, we can't control our thoughts. And yes, there are thoughts that come up out of just biology, out of instinct, out of habit. But what my experience is and what the brain science is actually telling you is that there are thoughts that are still generated from the lizard brain, the part of our brain that just wants to protect us, the part that wants us to stay small and keep us safe. And so when something gets tense at work, it's that lizard brain that's saying, oh, run away, go to something else. Uh, you don't have to deal with this. But we, you know, we have to be the adult in the room in many ways and say, this isn't going to kill me. Is that really the best is that really the best choice? So instead of thinking, well, that person's just out to get me, can you actively choose another thought and say, maybe he didn't realize what he said was going to tick me off? And this uh, you know, just creates a pause, you know, a pause between your instinctive reaction and actually what your better self, I think of it as your heroic self, can do. Um, we get to choose those more positive thoughts. We get to choose that mindset that's going to move us forward as opposed to a mindset that's going to keep us small and keep us pulled back. Uh, the same way with what we say and what we do. But before you go there, because I think what, and what you are saying is music for my ears in terms of the mindset work, because is that the power, uh, really embrace the power that we have. Yes, the first thought that comes to us, uh, maybe we don't have control over it. Uh, it's our history, something that triggers, instinct, whatever. But what we do with that thought then we we can learn, and I, I really see this as a mental fitness kind of thing. We, it takes time to control, to be able to be aware. We're starting a lot about awareness, and then to develop the muscles to transform it and to choose what comes next in terms of our thinking. Right. And and this is why I love the work that you do, Anna, because really helping people get that mental fitness and to recognize that we don't have to be slave to the first thought that came up. You know, the first thought that said, 
who does he think he is by talking to me this way in the email? Or she ignored me all through the meeting and she knew I have a, I have a point of view on this. Well, maybe not. And it's really been interesting to me in my own personal life, as well as through coaching my clients and teams that I work with, that we can actually change our whole physicality in an instant by choosing a different thought. You know, by intentionally choosing another thought, instead of choosing the thought that puts us all fist up, we can choose the thought that might be arms open. And we can choose the thought that said, you know, I, I know she's going through a lot. Maybe I'd give her benefit of the doubt and she's having a bad day. And if it happens again, maybe I need to mirror it back to her and say, you know, hey, Harriet, I don't know if you realize that when you said this, my reaction was that, or it made me feel like that. So there are ways that we can learn, but your, your point is exactly right. We first have to learn to catch ourselves in those negative thoughts, in what I'll often call the swirl of talking ourselves down and listening to that lizard brain. And uh, you know, one of the tools I use, and I, I didn't, I didn't make it up, but one of the tools from Shiraz Shamin's Positive Intelligence is to give that other voice a name, yeah. to personify it and really separate it. And when I think when you do that, you can make it, it's a little bit of a giggle because you're t- talking back to it, but you can build that mental fitness and build that habit of not talking down to the most important person in your career. And that's you. Yes. Absolutely, is how to deal with our inner critic, start with our inner critic and start with uh, understand and really using the power that we have between our two years, because then we are not in a reactive mode. We can be much more proactive and we can decide what to say next. So tell us a little bit more about the say, the communication. Right. And the say, oftentimes, when I'm coaching a leader, coaching a team, uh, we'll go through what the scenario is, and then that they've made up a whole story about what else was happening. And it can, it sounds simple, but it's how do you know that that is the case? Oh well, I just know that's how it is. So have you asked? And then many times we haven't we haven't said. So we haven't said that something is bothering us. We haven't said that um, we're, we haven't asked for different behavior. And there's actually an interesting, uh, interesting research called the illusion of transparency. And the illusion of transparency is a bias that all human beings have that says that we think people see what we need and what we want at a much higher degree than they actually do. So we think that that our spouse knows that I like the clothes in the hamper and not on the floor, <laughs> but you know it, they don't get picked up and put in the hamper anyway, and it's frustrating because then you have to say it again, right? Um, but these things happen in our workplaces all the time. We have the illusion of transparency that well, I've been here for three years, so she must know that I'm ready for a promotion, or I killed myself for this last project. Uh, she knows that I 
really deserve a salary raise or uh, a pat on the back or whatever. But often we're waiting for other people to change instead of when we identify the thing that we need or want, recognizing that they're focused on their world. And until we say something, until we say what we need and ask for it in a way that is not, you know, out of frustration or anger, but just to help me understand this is something that's important to me. I want to make sure that we were on the same page about it. What do you need from me in order for me to get this thing that I need? Um, and there's actually some scripts in the book and the accompanying toolkit that help you get started with conversations about how to ask for some of the things that you need. So, and this is part of the work that you do in organizations, teach them how to ask, how to communicate uh, and how to maneuver these kind of situations. Yes, yeah, so how to recognize for yourself that sometimes the easiest thing that you can do is ask, because I hear people making up all sorts of political games. It's like, why not just say it? Why not just say, I'm concerned that we're missing the core point here. In my opinion, the thing is this, can you help me understand how you feel about it? I mean, often we just have to be using our voice more often. And the thinking the saying, the communication, and that translates everything in what we do, correct? Right. Making a choice to do, making a choice to set up that conversation, making a choice of how you're going to show up in a meeting. But I also think an important point in this is making a choice about what you're not doing. So many people that I talk to and many people who have left their jobs believing that nothing could ever change because they were overwhelmed and overworked. One of the really interesting things, and again, it's a chapter in the book called Drop Some Balls, that sometimes we are making assumptions about the work that we're doing, and we end up doing too much or more than anybody cares about. And all that does is it's kind of like we're the sponge and we keep sponging up all of the excess work instead of holding that up to you know other people, to our leaders, to our teams and saying, here's the part that I can do with excellence. You know, here's the rest of it that we need to create a, a we need to create a solution for. But not just stepping into it and then feeling awful and say, oh, well, there's so much work to do and I can't handle it. We have to create our own boundaries. And sometimes that is about choosing what we do and what we don't do as much as it is anything else. Oh, and um, I find fascinating, like you were referring before to Sirjad Jamin work of positive intelligence. And uh, he has all these assessment about the saboteurs that is all about that uh, give a, a kind of um, a language to speak about the negative voices that we all have and the people have in a different way. And But with that work or other work to the becoming aware of our thinking patterns, the learning other ways of communicating and doing things can change everything and really take us from feeling helpless. Yes, we are in more control than we think. And when we make up stories in our head that say, well, oh, my boss doesn't want me to speak up and ask for what we need. I would say, how do you know? Because until we are clear and we're feeling confident, you know, not that we might get it, but confident that I have the right to 
articulate what it is I need or to point out to be the mirror for the behavior that's getting in the way of me able me doing my best work here or being a long-term employee here. And I've talked to so many leaders that are hungry for people to speak up, but the people feel like leaders don't want to hear them. And you know, it takes work on on all sides, right? As human beings, as people in relationships we have to learn to trust each other a little bit more and the only but the only way we can trust each other a little bit more is taking what we feel like are some risks and that may mean saying something more straightforward or not assuming that that person wants to harm you assuming that person wants to help you yeah and this the is a lot of individual work that can be done and of course they are working within the organizations in terms of cultures in terms of uh, even the the rules of the game and how to communicate there are things that in a systemic way can be changed but there are a lot of things that we have some control over we get to teach people how to treat us. We get to teach each other as a team how we want to work. And that kind of work is very always very interesting to do with a team. And it's really satisfying when you see a team uh, all click and realize they're all operating now at their best and highest use because they understand who each other is more and what the safety zone is around them of how they how they operate as, as humans and get the job done. So can you tell us an example of uh, a company, you don't need to disclose names, but uh, mm-hmm. of a typical situation that people bring you in, okay, we have this problem, solve it, and then what happens? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so one of the situations is usually a team forming and the they're responsible for some kind of major change. And they may come from different parts of the organization. And, you know, one of the things that I often do is how do you, first of all, help people develop as an individual, get clear on what's important for them. And so we may go through some assessments or some individual coaching, you know, on the team member, but then as a team, how are they finding what they in common care about and facilitating conversations and stretching the muscles of being able to build that trust, being able to help them understand how the fact that other people don't always get what they're saying, that there is that illusion of transparency that we don't always know. So how can we be more specific? How can we be more confident in if there's something that I need, chances are someone else might be. And so being able to facilitate processes through that so that people not only are stronger across the team and the change happens more in a more integrated way, but also that they're stronger on their own and they walk away with more skills that they can use throughout their career. And, and this, I think, connects your two books because is by creating in uh, within themselves that growth and within the team that growth, then uh, they really can bring their superpowers to work. In many ways, yes, because I believe that we all have gifts that we need to be constantly monitoring to be, be at our highest and best use. And, um, you know, one of my mantras is the world needs you. And so when we are spending time in frustration or playing games and not being straightforward, even if we think our environment is very political, we don't have to be, we don't have to play that game. We can decide for us, how do I bring my superpower to work? And oftentimes 
it's by putting in place the things that I can control, the things that I think, the things I say, and the things I do. Love it. So how can people learn more about you? So one of the best ways to keep up and learn more about me is that I write a weekly, I think of it as a love note. Uh, it's just a little email it where I share stories, things that are happening, and lessons. And, and often that's the first place I'll share tools or other classes and things that I'm doing. So people can sign up there at redcapeinsider.com. It's perfectly free, um, but it's the way to stay in touch. And then you'll be included in you know, everything that's going on in the world of Red Cape Revolution, Red Cape Rescue, all of the all of the part of the Red Cape community. And I presume they can also connect directly with you on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a great place to find me too. I think I'm the only Darcy Eichenberg there with the EIK. Yes. And I love to connect with LinkedIn. Just make sure that you're leaving a personalized note so that I know that you met on uh, the Mindset Zone. I love it. So let's keep this conversation going and let's help people really tap into their superpowers at work and in their lives and uh, really make a big positive impact out there. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Anna. Thanks for helping everybody soar. Thank you for listening. And remember to visit mindset.zone. Yes, instead of .com, it's .zone. There you can find all the episodes and other amazing resources all at mindset.zone. As always, I'm so grateful you are here. Expand what's possible for you, for the ones around you, for the world.